God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Hey, did y'all see my hoodie? Actually, mine is a uh, multiple uh, choice quiz for you, okay? So it's young and free. A, young. B, free. C, all of the above. And maybe think it's C. All right. Yeah, good deal. I feel young and I feel free. Amen? Amen. Well, we're glad you're here tonight and um, we're going to have an awesome time. We've already had an awesome time. And and I just got to say this too. I mean, we give all glory, all honor to God, but I'm so grateful to God and so grateful for our team, our staff, and just, you know, just two of our pastors that are up here tonight. I'm so glad they're alive. You know, and I mean alive in God. You know, I just felt their passion, their heart. Pastor John just laying out that song, I'm Redeemed. Pastor Head On sharing and, and uh, um, you know, just his heart coming through. And um, I'm just so grateful. You, you guys should be blessed. You have pastors that are alive, you know. So, amen. All right. Um, just before we get into the word tonight, our son Joshua... Uh, thank you all for praying for him. Um, he is um, finishing up uh, a trip to Africa with blood water, um, which is they drill water wells and set up HIV clinics and just a wonderful, noble work of what they're doing. So he was doing videography and interviews and different things. And um, uh, Alicia got to FaceTime with him this morning. He was in a mall in Nairobi. Have you all been to that mall? And... and uh, he was in a Cinnabon. No, I'm teasing. No. But um, uh, they got to share, and Alicia said she could just, you know, hear his heart, how full it is and what all they've experienced. While, right now, while I'm talking, uh, he's in the air with the team going to Amsterdam. And they'll be in Amsterdam for a couple days and then back, back to the States. And so thank you for your prayers. I just, uh, real quick. I'm alive too. Sorry. She's she's alive. No, I I really felt I shared it with him. I was FaceTiming when he left to uh, take Gabe to school and when he got back, I said I just have to tell you what Josh relayed. He was in three countries, Rwanda, Ethiopia, and Kenya, and the beauty, the people. He said above all, the people are his favorite part, but Rwanda that was their first stop and he said, "You know, we only know of genocide. You hear Rwanda, you think genocide." And he said, Mom, those, that's a very tiny, tiny country as far as Africa goes. And he said, they are, they are torn apart and defined by genocide, but they refuse to allow that to define them. And they have a new president, and these tribes that had virtually tried to destroy one another, all those relatives still live there in that small country and they have a greeting and this is what he shared his one guide it was driving he and one of the other members of the team and he's also a pastor and his name was albert and he said for three hours albert just told them stories about his country and also about how he'd come to know the lord and he said during the genocide i fled i fled to kenya and he said three months later i came home and my father my fiance and all my siblings were murdered and he said I could have killed a man for looking at me wrong. 
And he said, but I came to know Christ and I came to know forgiveness. And he said, and now I wouldn't hurt a fly. But he said, they have a greeting in Rwanda. They don't just say hello. They say, komare, komare. And it's, it means be strong, have courage. And he said, it's what you say to somebody who's falling and you're helping them back up. Komare. And he said three and four-year-old little kids that would chase his Jeep through town while they were driving are yelling out, Kamare, Kamare. And the president told him, he said, this is about an emotional strength because you now must live among the people that killed your family. But we are one and we will be reconciled. I was blown away. And I, I thought America needs some Kamare. But I wanted to share that with yeah. you. What reconciliation. Thank you, baby. That was worth it. That was worth it. All right. Thank you, baby. Um, let, uh, uh, hard to segue off of that. Let's just close in prayer. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Rob. Um, I, I, Pastor Head-On had mentioned this real quick, and we're talking about the Young and Free Conference. You, you need to know this, okay? And, and don't ever misquote this or misread or misweigh this, this statement, too. We talk about our loyalty to the future must be greater than the loyal, our loyalty to the past. That's exactly what that is. You know, but as a, as a ministry, as a, as a church, our loyalty must be greater to the future than to the past. Now, nowhere do we say that we become disloyal to the past or our heritage or generations, you know. But this... Our generation that, our next gen as we call it, that's so, please hear this, that is so important in the heart of God and it needs to be so important in, in our hearts. See, many, many of you, you're, already, you're already, already convinced. You already understand some things. You're already set. Some of you are even set in your ways. And, and, you know, and we've got a whole generation. I was talking with Pastor Ryan back there because room 405, uh, one of the rooms that you helped to redo is beautiful. It, it now becomes uh, the room for Fuse and for C20. And uh, is just, uh, some of you will understand that it is tricked out and lights and sound and there's more um, coming to it. And I'm just so uh, pleased in there. And I was talking to uh, Amber, who's on our worship team and she works with Next Gen Worship too. She said she grew up in the church. Her dad's an Assembly of God pastor. And she said, I just want to tell the young people, um, you need to know what you have. You need to know what you have, you know. And say, I know, because where I came from, many of you, and we're just so blessed. But this is the thing that Pastor Ryan and I were talking about, is I had to, because the way I grew up in, in church, I had to be kind of rewired. I had, to be, I had to be rewired, because there, in my mind, what I had experienced in church, I thought, okay, when this is optional, I'm not doing this anymore. This is not fun. I'm being made to go. The people that are teaching us don't care. I mean, it's, it, the room that we were in, sterile, just all, all of those things. And, and I said, we have to do such a job. And I'm so thankful for Pastor Ryan, all of our next-gen team. You know, we want them. We're not just training them. We're not just educating them and encouraging them. We're helping to wire them for the future. From, from nursery on up, that church is awesome, church is fun, I want to go, the people ministering in my life care, God is real, and uh, you know, with your help, we're, we're doing that back there, and I'm, I'm just thrilled, so thank you, because a, a whole lot of work is going on back there, and I just want to thank y'all, and that's at the heart of our church, all right? 
and then I, I got to get going here, but I, I do need to say this. We are having wonderful things happen in the new year on our Sundays. We've got our new service times, 9 o'clock, 1030, and noon. And um, we're having incredible growth, and, and we're filling those out. And I need to ask some of you to pray and think about something that will help us tremendously. Those of you, you know, you're committed to what we're doing. Um, we are slammed. Well, we're... we're there's in church world, only in the United States, not in other countries, but in church world, there's what is called the 80% rule. And once you fill a, uh, a venue to 80%, you typically won't grow past that. And it's because we Americans like our space. I've ministered in Romania and other portions of the world, and they're hanging out the window and walking four hours in the mud, and, and they're just no, no place to sit down, and they're just there because they are hungry for the gospel and their culture does not impede them in that. And so American culture, I'm sorry, I can't change it all or I would, but, you know, we typically, um, you know, we, we like our space a little bit. And so for some reason, when you get to 80%, it's not just a suggestion. It's, it's almost a rule that happens that we've got to make room. Well, we're well beyond the 80% capacity in that 1030 service. Okay, now think about this for me too. We find and studies show that typically those that are new that are going to come to church, that's going to be their service. So what I'm appealing to some of you to do is pray about, think about sliding down to that 9 o'clock service or sliding up to that noon service, okay? Would you at least pray about that? Think about that for me. This means yes, would you? Okay, Okay. just just pray, think about that. And what you'll be doing is is making room for that. We're also... um, fast on our feet and we're looking at some things to help us as far as um, parking and shuttling people around and different things like that. We've got some other things we'll unveil to you here within just a few weeks uh, of some things that are going to greatly help us in our, in our big hallway as well. So uh, no, it's not moving sidewalks, but um, <laughs> some great things ahead. So I just want to appeal to you on that. And then I need to humble myself real quick as well. Sunday, uh, 12, the 12 o'clock service, I got all excited, and I, and I knew about 4.15 early that morning, I'm going over my notes and I'm praying, um, I knew there were some things I needed to put off and, and just focus in on, and then um, I ran over in the 12 o'clock service. I ran over, and I, and I really, I knew it. And then when I left, I looked up, and I'm like, you know, we're like 15 minutes you know, after, and I, I want 12 o'clock people to know I'm not going to be running you later for lunch. Okay. I'm a big believer in lunch. Okay. And so, uh, but I just wanted to say that I felt that I needed to humble myself and say that too. So that we'll, we'll be real good on that. All right. I think it's better to have a pastor who has a lot to say than one who doesn't have anything to say. So, all right. All right. Well, you ready to get into the word? Alicia, you got anything else? All right. All right, let's dive in. We're in our series called Believe. Everybody say believe. believe. And it is important as believers we know what we believe, why we believe it, and we're able to articulate what we believe because we've got to be able to um, understand that ourselves. Um, I think that understanding is a handle, okay? It's a handle on truth. And you can't hold on to it if you don't have that handle. Um, we find in, in the Gospels, one of the parables, Jesus talks about how the the seed of the word was sown and because they did not understand everybody say understand they did not understand 
he said that the devil came immediately to steal the word that they did not understand. Now, the word picture was the seed was sown and birds came immediately and, and ate it up. And then his explanation of it, he said, it's the word that they heard but did not understand. In the book of Nehemiah, it says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the context of that, though, is they heard the word and received understanding in the word. Then their joy made them strong. And so it's so important that we not just preach and get you fired up and, you know, um, have a tambourine core or, or, or whatever, you know, just to, you know, there's some, some settings I've been in. It's like, what'd you get out of church today? Uh, sweaty <laughs> horse, you know, and, w- and what we want to do is, is be blessed in every way, but you need to come out every time with understanding and think about it like on a briefcase, a suitcase or whatever, you've got to have that handle or you can't carry it. And the other thing is if I don't have that handle, then it's easier for the enemy, the thief to, to take that from me. But if I have that handle, I can get, keep a good grip on that handle. I can beat the thief with this thing. You know, if you've got a, a grip on the handle. So um, it's so important that we know for our own spiritual preservation and growth. And then also um, so that as we are able to share that with others, defend the faith, pass it on to generations, we have to make sure and know why we believe what we believe and that we are able to articulate that. Amen. Tonight, I want to talk about something so incredible. It is the major message of the Bible, and it is the gospel, the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. And so let's go ahead and dive in here. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he, Jesus, said to them, go into all the world and preach. This word also means ice cream man or something's here. Okay. (laughs) Go into all the world and preach. It also means to proclaim, to publish to announce, to spread, preach the, the gospel to every creature, okay? And then we look over in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel, it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. It's pretty powerful. Read that with me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. And we believe, we believe. The gospel is the single most important message of the Bible. And the Bible is a narrative. It's not just a collection of uh, of books. It It is a narrative. It all fits together. And the central, most important, single most important message is the gospel. And you must understand the gospel. And that's part of what we're going to do tonight. Uh, Next Wednesday, we have baptisms. Am I correct? Next Wednesday is a night of baptism. And then we're going to come back and I'll probably spend another week or two on the gospel after that. If you do not understand the gospel right, don't miss this. If you don't understand the gospel right, you're going to either end up with a false hope or false guilt. Okay, so you have to understand this. And I know far too many people over the years, they either had false hope or had false guilt. And it's because of a wrong understanding, a lack of understanding, misinformation or no information concerning really 
what the gospel is. And I want all of us to understand it for our sake and also so that we're able to share and spread the gospel as well. I shared a little bit of this last week and from time to time that historically regarding the truth, one generation will believe it. The next generation will assume it. The next generation is close to forgetting it and might even deny it. And so it is so important that we have such a handle on truth and not just knowledge as far as head knowledge, but it's real to us. Listen to me. The gospel of Jesus Christ is real. And it makes all the difference, not just for your your eternity, but thank God for your eternity, but for now in this life, in the land of the living. And, And it has to burn within us. There has to be a passion about what God has done, not just a book head knowledge of um, this and this and this and this. It's, it's um, the seminary that, that I attend. I love this little byline that they have, knowledge on fire. Knowledge on fire. And that's what it needs to be for us. It's, it's heart and, and head. And so for these reasons that we want the gospel to uh, be real in our life, be able to pass it on to others, and then we not end up off track with a false hope or with false guilt. It is super important then that we come to have clarity regarding the gospel and also place major emphasis upon the gospel. I think it would be a pity that people would come and go from from a, a New Testament church in these days in the United States or anywhere else in the world, come and go and never really hear the gospel. Whether or not we always say, now this is the gospel. Tonight we are saying this is the gospel so that you will know it, you'll recognize it. I promise you, we don't do anything. We don't do anything that the gospel is not centered in this. Everything else hinges uh, uh, upon this. Now, the gospel is good news. Everybody say good news. Um, A good Greek transliteration uh, into our language for the word gospel would be evangel. You hear that. And an evangelist is what? They're actually just sharing good news. And Paul said that you are to do the work of an evangelist, which means this. That doesn't mean you have to slick your hair back and you know be on TV or something. It, it, it just means that you are to share this good news. We are to do the work of, of evangelism and sharing this good news. So it means good news good tidings or glad tidings. And Jesus said, you need, you need to spread this. You need to, you need to preach this. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it because it is actually, it is actually the power of God unto salvation. There is power in the, in the proclamation of the gospel. Amen. Now it is good news, but unless you know the bad news, you don't, you don't fully appreciate the good news, you know, if the doctor tells somebody, hey, you're okay. And, and you go, well, I didn't know what I was, where I was not okay. You know, and then if you find out, you know, it's just something little, then that's not that big a good news. But if you find out that you had something horribly life threatening or the potential of it, and he says, you're okay, that's good news. And the good news is even greater news when you understand the bad news. So let me give you the bad news. You ready? God is, God, I'll just put it in my, for me. God is holy and just. 
and I am neither. And he's the one who will judge me. And that's bad news. You hear me? That's bad news because he is holy. He is just. I am neither. And I will be judged by him. Now, before I go to the good news, the gospel, here's a great misconception that a lot of people have. Well, well, you know, you're not holy, you're not just, but God, God just forgives. God is light on sin. God winks at sin. It's okay. Here's the reality, though. He paid such an incredible price for our forgiveness and for our justification. You know, if God was going to wink at sin, he would have winked at sin when it was going to cost him. You know? And he didn't say, oh, wow, they've messed it all up. The wages of sin is death. Somebody's got to pay this. <laughs> Let's just write it off this year. But no, he had to reach deep. And he said, and he called for his very own son, his only son, to come and pay that price. So the bad news is God is holy and just. We are not. And we're going to be judged by him. Here's the good news. You ready? Anybody want good news? Don't you hate that when people go, I got good news and bad news. I especially hate it when it's like a mechanic or something, you know. It's like, what's, all right, which do you want first? Uh, give me the good news. Found a quarter under your seat. It's like, okay. Here's the good news. Jesus Christ died for our sins and then was raised for our justification. God is holy and just. I am neither one and I'm going to be judged by a holy and just God. rut -row. But Jesus Christ came and died for my sins. And was raised for my justification. Look at this in Romans, uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Who, Jesus, was delivered up because of our offenses. Say, my offenses. And was raised because of our justification. Now, justification here actually means freed from guilt. Y'all should at least crack the smile on that one. Me, you, every person, look at me, guilty. We had sinned, all have sinned. I'll get to that in a minute. We'd all sinned, guilty, guilty. Owed a debt we could not pay. Jesus came and paid a debt he did not owe. And then he was raised. Wait, wait, wait. It gets better. <laughs> then he was raised so that we could be declared not guilty. Now, I'm not even going to pretend. You shouldn't either. But I know I was guilty. So you don't just walk that one out. See, told y'all all along, you know. No, it's like uh, I know it. And he stepped in, took our place paid our debt and did all the paperwork, so to speak, so that legally and vitally we could be declared not guilty. Amen. So in the eyes of God, through what Jesus Christ has done for us, 
He's holy and just. So are you. Amen. And we'll be judged by him through what Jesus has done. Take Jesus out of that equation. Bad news. But I've got gospel for you. I've got good news. Jesus stepped in, took our place, paid that debt, declared us, raised for our justification, and we're free. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give that to the Lord tonight. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, British minister in the 1800s, he's been called the, the prince of preachers. He summarizes the gospel in four words. Here they are. Jesus died for me. Say it. Jesus died for me. This is instead of me, because of me. Say it one more time. Jesus died for me. I, I, you know, I didn't get to talk to everybody before service, but I just want to make sure. How many of y'all ever, like, blown it? Sin? been a real knucklehead i got good news for you jesus died for you that's the gospel now let's break it down expand it just a little bit more here um the gospel is uh, this is the centerpiece of the gospel but you have to get the whole story so Included in this, that's the centerpiece, but it includes this. Incarnation. God put on flesh. We just celebrated that. We call that Christmas. Incarnation. Sinless life. Substitutionary death. Keyword, substitute. Substitutionary death. Whose place did he take? Substitutionary death. These are all super important how this is worded. Bodily burial. Literal resurrection. Ascension into heaven. Imminent return. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. But keep that all in mind. This is the gospel. Incarnation. Sinless life. Bodily burial. Literal resurrection. Ascension into heaven. An imminent return. Thank God. Jesus died for me. In 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1.17. New King James. For Christ did not send me to baptize. Paul is talking here. Christ did not send me to baptize. But to preach the gospel. Not with words of wis- uh, with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Now we're losing a little bit here in translation. Um, actually, and this is kind of funny, the message brings it out a little bit further for us. And this is a paraphrase here. God didn't send me, Paul is saying, God didn't send me out to collect a following for myself. But to preach the message of what he has done, collecting a following for him. Watch this. And he didn't send me to do it with a lot of fancy rhetoric of my own. Lest the powerful action at the center, Christ on the cross, be trivialized into mere words. And so what we have to do is keep the gospel clear. There has to be clarity and simplicity. 
clarity and simplicity. I have to read a lot for school and I read a lot for studying anyway. And some, some commentators, some writers make it so thick, so complex. It's like you just want to walk away and go, I'm sure that's awesome. You know, but we have to keep it clear. We have to keep it simple. And it is. The only complexity is on his part to pull it off. To do it and to find that even before the foundations of the world, Christ was slain. Nobody had even breathed yet. And yet God had a plan of redemption. He had the good news in place. Was he planning on us messing up? No, but he's God. And God is able to see and declare the end from the beginning. And so he saw this. He foresaw And so he provided. God provides for himself the ram. It's all through the Bible. So let's break this down real quick. All have sinned. All have sinned. Anybody here not sinned? Okay, good. It's all have sinned. Look at this in Romans chapter uh, 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Look at this in Ecclesiastes 7.20. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. So let's just get this out of the way. All have sinned. All have sinned. Secondly, the penalty for our sin is death. The penalty for sin is death. Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in or through Jesus Christ our Lord. Huge gospel verse right there. The wages of sin is death. We all we all sinned. And and Sin, the penalty for that is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord, which takes us to the third place here, and that is this. Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty for us. So all have sinned. The penalty of sin is death. Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were, while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. What, a, what an incredible verse. Why don't you read it out loud with me? But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. There's only two responses to this. You either accept the gospel or you reject the gospel. Some people say, well, I'm, I'm just putting it off. I'm just delaying it. Whenever you delay, it actually falls under the category of rejection. And you begin to harden yourself toward full rejection. It's never anything to be put off. So let me just kind of pull this to a close. We're going to continue on this in, uh, week after next for another couple of weeks. But, but here's the thing. God is holy and just, and we're not. Jesus came and paid the price for what we had done. All sinned, penalty for that sin is death. Jesus stepped in and paid that. Now watch this. He paid, uh, 1 John 1 says, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. He was the propitiation, 1 John 2, 1 and 2. These things I write unto you, brethren, that you sin not. But if any man sins... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 
And he is the propitiation, satisfaction for that penalty, for our sins, watch this, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 2, 1 and 2. So get this. Jesus, the price that he paid, get this. The price he paid is enough to pay for the sins of everybody. But what you have to do, though, what you have to do is you have to believe the gospel. For that to be good for you, you have to believe on what Jesus did. If you believe, then you are justified. If you don't believe, you're condemned already. And so what we have to do, there's only two responses to the gospel. To accept it or to reject it. And I want to give you that opportunity tonight to just get that settled. 